losses, Virginia, Oklahoma State, Penn State, Iowa, Georgia, there's not a bad loss on them. Yeah, sure. but the record's not what you want, but not many good wins either. That, that is true. <laughs> I had this cheer, trying to get somebody to make some noise. It's sad, sickening, really, to see that. that we can't get some help here. We, we desperately need it. And it picked up our defense just enough. We got a couple of deflections and made a couple of plays out of it. But, you know, we, we have to have some help there. That's why that's the whole purpose of playing at home. And I'm a little too old to be trying to be a cheerleader. No James Zuba, it's Brent Axe with us instead. After a victory for Syracuse, they needed one badly. After another slide against Georgetown, we're talking to you here. Bobby Manning, Brent Axe, ESPN, Syracuse.com. It's been a ride this year, hasn't it, Brent? We last talked a couple months ago going into the season. I was I was optimistic coming in. And, and you know what, Brent? I, I'm still there, believe it or not. Five losses. I'm feeling pretty good about this team, only because you look across college basketball right now. Duke's lost to Stephen F. Austin. UConn's lost to St. Joseph's. Five wins is, or five losses, rather, is crazy on the surface for a Jim Beheim led squad, but none of them were to bad teams, per se. Now, I'm a little nervous about the one we have today against North Florida. That could be that bad loss that has been lurking all around all of these struggles. They drew awfully close on Oakland. But until this team drops a real stinker to, say, BC or Wake Forest or even North Florida today, I'm optimistic just because of how bad the field's been this year. I've been saying the past week or so, nobody's good in college this year. That's a fair point. First of all, all apologies to the James Uba fans out there. I, I, <laughs> I know that he's he's got a huge uh, contingent out there. They're disappointed to hear me instead of him, so we'll just have to plow through that. Uh, but here's the thing. You just brought it up, Bobby. The new world we live in in college basketball, the net rankings, have given us a clear path of what Syracuse has to do. And according to what the net ranking has out there so far, there are opportunities to get quad one wins, and you know the losses you have to avoid. So now you just go do that, right? It's that simple. But you said it. You've got to avoid the stinkers. They had one last year in non-conference play with Old Dominion. North Florida is an intriguing team. They lead the country in three-point shooting. Syracuse is going to have to rebound really well in this game. They're going to have to get some interior play because North Florida has none of it. That's all they do is shoot threes. But if they get on a string and Syracuse can't keep up with them scoring-wise, it could get really interesting in this game so far. So the ACC this year, we know who the top heavy teams are. We know who the quad one wins are. That could shift a little bit depending on how things go. I mean, right now, Carolina's a quad three win, which is really weird to say, but you know, they've been hit by injuries, particularly with Cole Anthony. So Syracuse, you have to be optimistic that way. Where you're not optimistic is when you watch this team play (laughs) in, in certain senses, right? Because their interior play is non-existent right now. Their defense is nowhere near that intimidating 2-3 zone that Jim Beheim teams play. They really need Quincy Garrier to give something to that box score offensively. He has got to come around, particularly in the next couple of games, because developing the ACC is it's the school of hard knocks, and I think it's only going to get tougher for him as he goes along there. But the, the reasons to be optimistic are what you said, the landscape of college basketball, 
gaining some wins that are right there in front of you. And if this team does make some natural progress uh, through league play, I mean, last year they were 3-10 and 10 in quad one. They, you know, kind of hung in there, middle of the pack in the ACC, and, and they got in with relative ease. So if they can kind of repeat that pattern, they'll be a tournament team. I wanted to start this show with optimism because there's not a lot left after that. And I'm going to jump right to the negative right here. And Barama Sidibe has been a big punching bag for this defense. And this defense is by no means good at all. Defensively rebounding, they're a mess. Interior-wise, I feel like they get beat back door quite a bit. And there's definitely some problems back there. But when I'm looking at this defense, and, and Jim Beheim hasn't talked about this much this year... The guard spot is a problem, and Joe Girard has come along well. I feel like he has looked much better in that regard, and he is an energy force out there. If he doesn't have the tools to be a great defender in terms of size and athleticism, he makes up for it with effort out there, and his ratings are looking pretty good. I mean, he is a you know .78 points per possession defender out there. That's 55th percentile, ranks good. To, on uh, Synergy, but you look over to Buddy Bayheim, and that's a spot that I've been concerned about going back to last year. And we all remember that Baylor matchup where they just got rained on from three. Frank Howard was missing in that game, and I still go back to that and say that was the determining factor in losing in the tournament last year was Bayheim was out there struggling on the three-point line, and Howard was not out there. And Howard's been one of the better wing defenders that they've had in the zone uh, these last few years. And it's, it's the same story for Bayheim again this year he he's in the 10th percentile closing out on shooters when the shot clock's down under four seconds he's 33rd percentile overall teams are shooting 34 percent over him at 0.89 points for possession and visually you know these are all the numbers but visually you know he's following guys out there he's not always in a great position he's getting drawn in a lot of the times I think if I have to highlight one issue on this team that Trump's all defensively. It's Bayheim out there. And it's tough because he offensively he's been pouring on these monster second halves against Georgetown the second half. He was sensational. So I don't know how they're gonna balance this out because all you really have is Howard Washington coming off the bench. We haven't seen enough of him, I feel like, to get a gauge for how much he makes up defensively. But I don't know. How would you settle this out, Brent? It's a great question, Bobby, because when you think of the great Syracuse teams, even recently, that made Final Four runs, they just had that big front line at the top. And God bless Gerard. The kid's hustling. He's moving around. He's coming, uh, coming around in so many different areas of the floor. But he's one, and that's when he's on his tippy-toes. So it's hard for him to make up ground. Buddy, you know, has grown up with the 2-3 zone. He knows how to play it and how to get in it, but is limited there. I know that uh, Jim's been getting on him to, to rebound a little bit more. Yeah, as that's well another as problem. Those guards don't but come that, in. See, so this is where I think Elijah's got to play the two more, Bobby, because you need somebody up top that gives you a little length, gives you a little athleticism, a little veteran presence in the 2-3 zone. So it's going to be interesting to see how that mix goes there. And then you brought up, you know, Barama, who's long, but that's it. And look, yeah, 13 rebounds against Oakland. He's had his moments this year. He's certainly more athletic this year than we've seen getting over that knee injury. But there was a great article that our good friend Matthew Gutierrez wrote in The Athletic that came out, and they had the Oakland scouting report in yes. that piece. I'm sure you saw that. Yep. And they did not have flattering things to say about Barama inside. 
So, and certainly Quincy, when he plays in there, is struggling on defense. God bless Marek Dolzhai. The guy plays like his hair is on fire, but he's still somebody that is somewhat vulnerable on the defensive end. So Syracuse just doesn't have anybody in that zone that you have to be concerned about, that you really look at and say, boy, this thing's in sync, and this thing is going to just you know push out an offense. And, and the, the biggest thing with the zone, Bobby, is it makes you think on the court. It's intimidating. It's a mental thing, and that's just not the case right now. Look, there's four new starters out there and all the requisite things we've got to say about this team's inexperience. But, you know, at some point that's not a factor anymore because, you know, you're going to get deep into the season and you can't use that as an excuse. So Syracuse is just pigeonholing itself into being a live-and-die-by-the-three-point shooting team. And on the other end, just trying to hold down the fort with teams on the zone defense. And look at Oakland. Okay, look. They had a couple decent interior players in the Horizon League, but Syracuse made them look like you know ACC type players. Anybody they play going down the road that's just got decent interior play, they have the opportunity to have a career day against the Orange because this defense is is just not there. Oh, it was pure gold by Matt. I was going to bring that up too, and I'm glad you did that piece. Oakland walking into the Carrier Dome thinking that this game was 100% winnable. And their coach, Coach Camp, I scheduled Syracuse because they're the best zone in the country. Now this one isn't. I realized we could have beaten them. And they walked out of there legitimately frustrated that they were within single digits and they didn't take that game. And it was just so emblematic of where the program's at for me. And this this scouting report list that Matt grabbed out of it that was just so comprehensive top to bottom and really so so disrespectful to quote Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) <laughs> but Ramos Sadibe, yeah, really yeah. not very skilled post player, good recipient of drop-off and lobs, athletic, must check out. His defense is hit or miss. Or his defense is his miss and get it back. That must be hit or miss. He jumps at all shot fakes. Man, Sadibe didn't win in the scouting report. And uh, Oakland almost had them. They were right there. They out-rebounded they really them. And that late burst in the first half and the second half to end both of those halves got Syracuse by. But they were teams know what this Syracuse zone is capable of, their deficiencies this year. And I shudder of what North Florida and all that shooting is going to be able to do to them. I legitimately think we're going to have a single-digit game down to the wire in this one. And I, I don't know if you have any other thoughts out of that Oakland scouting piece that Matt wrote, but that was just so funny and so well, it's emblematic. Funny to see what other teams think because you know we watch this team game in and game out, and we sort of form our biases about this team. And then to read another report on it, somebody parachutes in, they're, they're getting ready for the game, and they're but just line by line listing everything that we think about this team. It kind of reassures it, and the, the, the confidence from the coach to say we had this game, and they did. You know that was never a game that was out of reach for Oakland. Syracuse just made enough plays in the second half to to keep it kind of you know, to pull. I, I hesitate to even say pull away. I know the final score was seventy four sixty two, but you said it. It was single digits within. Now. This game, this North Florida game is going to be interesting because we said they have no interior play, none. Oakland was the opposite. They had no outside shooting. They went four for 18 from three in that game. So how do you push up the zone? And can Barama handle that? Can Marek handle that? Can Quincy handle that? Um, this is a game that you would think you want to get Jesse Edwards in there. You, you want to get Bryson Goodnight in there. But it's all – with Jim Beheim, it comes down to two things, Bobby. How do you play in practice? 
and how do you play defense? And the practice thing is, you know, kind of a shoulder shrug emoji guy. I have no idea because <laughs> I, I can't go to practice. They practice when I'm on the radio, and even so, reporters are only allowed like 10, 15 minutes to watch, and then they're ushered out. Uh, defensively, we know the case there, but Jim is not going to put players out there for long periods of time on defense that he's not comfortable with. So this is going to be a big, big test for this team in that sense. How do you go from having to play defense one way to doing it the complete opposite in, in, a, in a game just uh, a couple of days later? And big kudos to Matt for that piece. Good friend of the show. Kudos to the Oakland program, too. Can you imagine that in 2019, opening up your locker room, opening up the entire game plan, scouting report that they drew up? And honestly, I, I do think that helps a program like that. And it talked about in the piece how guys shuttle in and out of that program. They have a lot of transfers each year. They're trying to attack, attract talent from the outside always. And I, I think that, you know, you would have never imagined Syracuse in a million years doing doing something like this but for Oakland I think it was beneficial to that program to do this and have outsiders look at you know how confident they are how comprehensive their preparation for a game like this is and really the coaching there just sticks out and looks very good especially given how they saw the result of the game there going over to Syracuse's coaching which has been a big topic all year you you've had your conversations with Bayheim. you speak to him on the radio every week and when they're struggling like this, there's a lot of calls for the deeper bench guys to come out, whether it be Howard Washington, Jesse Edwards, Robert Braswell, and just see what they're made of. And, you know, I usually give Bayheim the benefit of the doubt there. I'm not going to push for him to do something that's too far outside of what we're used to him doing. We know the deal with his tendencies at this point, you especially covering this team for over a decade as you have. And you don't usually expect a guy like Jesse Edwards to get involved as he has the last few nights and foul trouble factors in there, but it does feel like Bayheim's starting to grow a little more comfortable with him. And it does add a little more movement, a little more length inside, and maybe not, you know, fundamentals. He's still coming along in that aspect, but there is something out there when he comes into the game, maybe on challenging jump shooters, maybe in just having a little bit more size and length than Barama does. I, you know, maybe it's a little too early to say this, but I could see him factoring into this team much more later down the stretch because he's looked good in the limited minutes that he's played. Fouling is probably his biggest issue. He had two fouls in seven minutes in the Oakland game. But otherwise, I think he looks very sound defensively. No question about it. And, you know, look, with him and Jesse, you got 10 fouls to play with. Barama tends to get into foul trouble too. So he doesn't, you know, get, uh, you know, kind of an escape on, on that one. Jesse had a, a really... Uh, how can I put this? It was just, I love the spin move he made yeah. in the Oakland game. If you know the play I'm talking about, yeah. you see that flash of the athleticism and the type of player he was overseas, but it's the adjustment he's making on defense here. But you said it, Bobby. I mean, that length, he can stretch, block some shots. Even if he picks up a few fouls, you can tell Beheim is pleased with what he's doing at practice. And, and these next two games could be huge for him to, to get some time, particularly the Niagara game, because I think this is a really unique game with North Florida because of how much three-point shooting they take. But you know what? You need rebounds. So if he's in there and that's somebody that can grab some some long rebounds and help Syracuse you know, kind of facilitate some fast breaks the other way there. But I, I really like Jesse from what we've seen so far, from what I've heard from you know people that get to watch practice and the kind of player he is. He's going to play some kind of role, I think, because there's just going to be games where Barama – 
Jim's going to get frustrated with him. He's going to get into foul trouble early. He's not going to be as aggressive as he needs to be on the offensive end. And, and Jesse's the best player to do that. Uh, our, our guy, Bob Braswell, I know we're huge fans of Bob Braswell Earl. on the Dean's Magician site. Earl, <laughs> your guy. Uh, this is 100% speculation on my point, Bobby, but I think he might be hurt. Because why else wouldn't you play him? Why else wouldn't you give him an opportunity? We just haven't heard anything from this guy. Is he fighting through injury? Is there something else going on there? Is he just that bad at practice? Is Beheim being stubborn? There's a lot of questions I'm kind of throwing at the wall here, but I just don't get it with him. That's a guy that I thought was kind of knocking on the door to get some minutes, and, and we have just not heard anything on his front in the past few weeks. And usually the, those clues add up to something beyond basketball. And again, I'm just speculating on that. Well, he might come in in the next two games and, and play, and, and this, this is all a moot point. But Jesse's the most intriguing player off that bench at, at its point, no question about it. I kept an eye on that Braswell situation earlier this year because I did hear a little something. I would, didn't actually listen to the show, but on Beheim's coaching show, I think he dropped a little nugget about there maybe being something with Braswell's legs that they're keeping an eye on. So I dug around the next game a little bit, didn't get anything on it. Beheim just kind of shoot it off, and then in the locker room, no one was really talking about it either, and he hasn't been available to talk all year either. So I'm keeping an eye on that too, especially because when you think about Bayheim, this is a guy who's been here multiple years now, Braswell, and every time we've seen him on the court, he plays sound defense. He has a good knack for cutting off passes on that wing, and he looks comfortable in the zone. So a guy like that more than anyone I would expect to come in and contribute a little bit, especially in the games that Marex struggled on the wing there, and Quincy certainly has struggled mightily, so you think he'd be able to jump him in that regard. So I'm keeping an eye on that too. There's nothing out of them at this point. Maybe they are keeping things a little quiet on that, and they usually do when it comes to injuries. So we'll keep an eye out on that I think that's definitely a significant point to look at when it comes to this team because they've given guys chances up and down this roster whether it be Howard whether it be Jesse I'll give Bayheim credit in that regard what I'm gonna rip Bayheim for and I did yesterday in a column this this crowd thing from yesterday or Wednesday at this point I, I mean, what what was that, Brent? I, Syracuse.com ran with it. I was kind of frustrated with that because I just felt like it was such a non-story that he emphasized. I guess when he says something, it has to become a story. But it's a, you know, you were out there. I wasn't. Crazy snowstorm that day. It's 10 degrees outside, below zero with the wind chill. They're playing Oakland. And all Bayheim has told us all year is this team's not ready. This team doesn't have it. They got to figure it out. I mean, he's been ripping this team up and down, and that's Bayheim. You know, I actually like that strategy employs as a motivation tactic for the team. So, you know, I, I go on right. The defense didn't struggle because the fans didn't clap. The fans didn't clap because the defense struggled. And it has all year. Blah, 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 blah. They've allowed 75 points per game against the five losses that they've suffered. But, you know, the fans have been there all year. I mean, they were there through the protests on campus. They've been going crazy for Joe Girard's emergence. The Dome was packed, going wild for the Virginia game, even with the uncertainty that they came into this year with. And he just goes out, says it's sickening what he saw from the crowd yesterday. And this is the guy who's been telling us all year this team isn't any good. So I, I just, that, that set me off on Wednesday, him opening his press conference and making that as big of a deal as the defensive struggles that they went through in that game and really that they've had all season. I don't know, what was he trying to do there, you think? 
Well, there's a lot to unpack there, so let's break this down a little bit. First of all, it, this is a keen lesson, and the irony here, Bobby, is you may recall a couple of weeks ago, Jim and I had a little conversation about a player who was on a short leash, right? Yeah. And, and Jim got hung up in the semantics of what I said. about, And in that case, it was about Jalen Carey. Well, here that's come full circle, because this was clearly a case of it's not what you said, it's how you said it. If Jim Beheim had come to that press conference and said, hey, listen, I understand the weather was bad. I understand X, Y, and Z, but we needed you guys. It was too quiet in that building. We need your support in there. We love our fan base. We, you've been supportive of us for so long, but in this game tonight, it was too quiet, and I needed you. Who would have had any debate with that? I don't think – and he, he's right. It was a morgue in that place. The fans that did make the effort to go were just sitting on their hands the whole time. There are times in a game, and 90% of the time when you're at a sporting event, you're reacting to what you're seeing. Yeah. But there's that 10% of the time you've got to be proactive, and you've got to sense that the team needs you, and you've got to get into the game. That's the point Jim was making about that crowd in that building that night, and he was right to make it. The problem was one word takes away from this whole thing, and that word is sickening. And you can throw <laughs> sad in there, too. The minute you use that word, what's going to happen is it becomes Charlie Brown's teacher. Everything else you say becomes wah, 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 wah. And it's a social media age. It's a digital age. Things get spread, and all of a sudden it becomes the modern version of the game of telephone. It made it around the horn. It made it, exactly. Well, did you hear Beheim called the fans sickening? (laughs) Well, that's not what he said. He said the fans that were in the building that night and, and the situation was. And then I interview him the next day. And he said, well, that's not what I said. And then I'm like, well, it's right in the quote. He's like, I know what the quote is. And this was just classic Bayheim trying to deflect from stepping in it, right? And then he had to put in the statement later in the day. So Jim has done this a number of times, Bobby. He's, he, he, he's not happy with how things are going. So, you know, you know look, let's put this shiny object over here that people focus on more than how his team is playing. Where you're 100% right is, where the fans have been there all along, the support that's been there. And Jim, it's amazing how Jim goes up there and talks about his own team as if, like, he were an analyst that came in to discuss his team as opposed to the coach of it, right? He has told us all year how bad they are, but yet scolds the fans when they don't cheer when they're not playing, you know, up to not even the potential of what this team could be, but just – what they should be doing in a particular situation. So I've seen this so many times over the years. I just kind of smile when I see it. I knew it. I wish I could have bet in Vegas that Bayheim was going to make a comment about the crowd at the post-game press conference. I actually tweeted before the game, like, you know it's coming, and it did. So lesson learned, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. You can challenge the fans. I think there's a time and a place for it, but you can't use words like sickening because it just takes away from the message. Yeah, definitely. But there's an accountability thing there too because we've seen him rip every player up and down this year. We've now seen him throw stones at the fans. I think people would like to hear a little bit of accountability on the coaching aspect of it too. And certainly it's a young team. They're inexperienced. We acknowledge all of that. And it definitely isn't the best team from a talent perspective, especially after you lose uh, one of your top 50 guys in Jalen Carey, the other top 100 guy here in Bryson Godine isn't playing well at all, and everyone can see that. And, you know, there's nothing that they can repair that there right now, it seems like. The only slight, you know, trickle of accountability 
from the coaching aspect of things that we've seen so far is, you know, I've built this team. And that's that's what he concedes is that we built this team. We ha- we have what we have here. We have to work with it. But beyond that, it just seems like a lot of deflection on their end of things. And, you know, I give him room. I, we, we talked all show about the zone, Brent. And what gets better throughout the course of the year, usually with this team, is the zone. Offensively, they've been there the last few games, especially against Georgetown and certainly in Georgia Tech. So that side of things has improved quite a bit. Now the zone just needs to catch up, and I have confidence that they can do that. But for now, you know, while fans are getting upset, while some are staying home, there's got to be some accountability on the coaching end of things too. I, there's no question about it on what not only this year but in other years, but particularly this year. When you listen to Jim describe his team, and there was a moment in the press conference the other night where he's like, you know, Barama and Marek are in the right positions, but they're they're outweighed by 100 pounds, and this guy can't do that, and that guy can't do this. And you're like, you know you recruited these players, right? Like, you just want to look at Jim and be like, you know, like you brought these guys in here. But he knows his team. He knows their strengths and weaknesses. He has, for years, motivated them publicly. Anything he says to us publicly, he said to them a hundred times privately and in other places. And, you know, sometimes he will let a fire under him publicly to get him going. Marek's a great example of that. Go back a few games when Jim's saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically like, I haven't seen this guy improve at all from last year. I happen to know he said that to Marek, you know, a hundred times uh, privately, but felt the need to say it publicly at that point. Marek's been terrific since then doing everything you need him to be the, the jack of all trades player so that's just something you know that jim is is one of the most unpredictable people in the world in some senses bobby because uh you just never know what direction the wind's blowing and that's coming from somebody who's covered him and interviewed him but he's very predictable in other ways the one thing he'll always do is use that platform at his press conference or other public forums to you know send some shots across the bow at his players to light a fire under under their butts unpredictable in some ways but the tendencies are always there and usually they do get better as the year goes on so call me crazy but i'm staying a little optimistic cautiously optimistic is the phrase i'll use about this team that's brent axe he's been covering them all year and he still will do so throughout march madness on espn radio in syracuse and syracuse.com thanks brent north florida six o'clock then we're on to niagara and then acc play is right there around the corner so you know, we have a recruiting conversation. That's for another day as you pull up the recruiting there at the end of it. That's probably my long-term worry about this team. But this year, in this climate, I think they can figure it out. So thank you, Brent, for being with us. Thanks, Bobby. Happy holidays, everybody.